1: Hello and welcome to the Football Grad Podcast. I'm your host, Manuel Weff. And it's just two of us today. Um, Tim Bogdachev, unfortunately, had, had a little bit of an emergency come up, so he can't join us this morning. But that's okay, because, yeah, got my man from Siberia all the way, halfway across the world. Andrew Flynn. Andrew, I'm not gonna ask. Um, I'm just gonna <laughs> ask how he going, how is it going, you know, um,
0: oh, Well, um, you know, it's- <laughs> it's, it's going swimming, but I've, I've indulged in my favourite Siberian activity this afternoon of pretending to be an absolute idiot when the traffic police stop me. Um, I'm surprisingly good at it, by the way, um, but they, it, it's for a reason. Though it's for a reason because they they try and swindle you out of money, and as soon as they know you're a foreigner, they they really go to town on it. So all you do is you pretend you don't understand the word they say, Um, and after ten fifteen minutes, they get a bit bored. Um, this guy was a bit stubborn. Um, it took me about half an hour, but I sat there and I pretended I understood nothing, kept eating my McDonald's, and then eventually he told me to go away, so I didn't have to pay a fine. Well, um, but other than good. that, I'm fine.
1: That's good. Uh, so um, <laughs> we had to delay this podcast because of the the corrupt human police force. Um, just, so let yeah, s- throw it out there.
0: <laughs> so what did you do? What, what was the reason to stop you? Well, the thing is, this is the embarrassing part. I actually was slightly technically in the wrong because parking in the sense of Chimena is a nightmare. And I I parked and I was about 10 yards from a uh, blue square P parking sign. So I thought, perfect, I'm in the right spot. But I'd forgotten to turn around the other way. And uh, two meters behind me was a spot, another sign saying no parking, which to be fair is a bit contradictory. But... Uh, technically he explained that I was wrong and he he kind of was wrong he was right and I was wrong but I pretended that I was right so he was trying to tell me oh you're going to have to face a judge and oh you better have better Russian when you get your I mean I could understand this in Russian but I pretended I couldn't Um, he said oh you're going to to be in front of a judge you're going to be in trouble oh you better better improve your Russian by then Um, and I just said a few bad words that um, would have made it even more explicit than this podcast usually is um and uh, and waited it out
1: good good job i mean waiting it out andrew (laughs) is probably what this next guy should have done um i think (laughs) we we play this before we discuss it he never say hello goodbye he's too arrogant too selfish and he thinks all people buy tickets for for his show Yes, and I'm very angry about this. Maybe which is not typical to criticise referee, especially I know he's international level referee, but I don't have another opportunity. For me, he's the worst referee in the world. And maybe he has some individual <laughs> problem for me and maybe he doesn't like fat guys or both. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. That, ladies and gentlemen, is Leonid Slutsky, the head coach of Wittese Arnheim.
0: Um, Andrew, the, the, the good news first, he's learned English. <laughs> he has. He's, to be fair, to be fair, he was ranting and ranting is difficult to do in another language. He was pretty good, I thought. Um, but, uh, his English was good, wasn't it, Money?
1: Yeah, a- a- excellent. Um, <laughs> I, I wanna, wanna just disclose this, this happened after a 3-3 draw between his side and, um, in an, in, in the Eredivisie and, it did give him a one-game suspension. So his rant was perfectly spot-on, but um, it did cost him a game. Although you were saying off the air, Andrew, that you think it might have been worth it for
0: just one game. Oh, 100%. I mean, a one-game ban for a manager is is actually, if anything, was almost an advantage. I've always thought this, that if you're sitting in a dugout, and a lot of, especially these modern stadiums, the the dugout seems to be quite sunken down to almost pitch level. You don't get a very good perspective of the game. So for one game, Slutsky will be able to sit higher up in the stands. He can pay a bit more attention to the shape of the team without having to give out orders. And okay, he would rather be on the touchline, but it's it's for one game he gets that, uh, and he gets to say what everybody else was thinking as well. Mm. Um, I mean, we know what he's like. You know his nature as a person. He's a very easy-going, smiling sort of bloke. He doesn't get animated, so that's why it was sort of doubly, um, you know, amusing to hear that rant. Um, so if he's ranting, you know he must have ground for it. Um, and for, and his punishment? One game, nobody will really notice, and um, the referee is, well, his reputation is tarnished correctly, in my view, you know, morally correctly anyway. Uh, I'm just surprised it was only a one-match ban.
1: So this was up to 3-3 um, draw on Sunday, against uh, PSV Eindhoven. Um, pretty good result, to be fair. <laughs> Even if the referee was the worst referee in the world. Yeah. <laughs> um, they are currently seventh in the Eredivisie. So, um, yeah. of course, they have playoffs, right, in, in the Netherlands. Um, I believe they still do that. So um, we don't know yet if they're going to be in Europe. We don't actually know if they're going to be in Europe, period, because um, Chelsea are notorious these days to play in the Europa League as well. Don't want to say that there's any connection between those clubs whatsoever. Um, but uh, um, of course not. No investigation will ever find any connection. Just like the CSKA, yet at the same time, um, a few years ago, there was these stories that came out of the Netherlands that Wittes was basically told to lose games so that they wouldn't qualify for the Champions League when, um, you know, Chelsea were in the Champions League. Now it's the Europa League. I assume Chelsea are going to be in the Europa League as well. So going to be interesting to see what Leonid Slutsky is doing next year. I, I hear that Chelsea might be looking for a coach next year anyways, Andrew. So maybe we're going to get those rants yeah. in the Premier League?
0: Yeah, yeah, you never know. I mean, his uh, when he moved over to England to take over Hull City, that was a, quite a left field appointment. But he got a lot of respect actually um, while he was over. He people probably still felt he was a bit out of his depth. But you have to remember what an utter mess of a club he had joined. Um, you know, I mean, Hull City were run are run by the Alam family, who've been mm. residents in the city for fifty, sixty years. So they can't be accused of being. You know, uh, owners who have come in from the outside and don't care about the city, but they're so out of touch with the fans and the way the club was run. It was, you know, the club players, they only had 13 senior players at one point. I think it was last summer or the summer before. Um, so that's the sort of atmosphere that Slutsky came into. So it was really little surprise that he did fail. Um, but he had the right attitude. You mentioned his English. His English was... Very good. By the time he got there, he basically immersed himself for a few months um, in London before he was appointed. You know, we, we all know he spent some time with Chelsea on, and some of their connections to help him get into training sessions. And he, he really committed himself to learning the language. Um, I kind of hate him for that because in six months he's done more for his English than I've done in nine years for my Russian living over here, but um, Russia at that point. <laughs> But his attitude is right, um, and I still think I still think he could potentially um, deserve an appointment. I'm not trying to do, I'm not trying to disparage Vitesse at all, but they they're never going to be much more than Europa League side at best, um, and I think he deserves more than that. Um, so we'll see. Perhaps um, perhaps Chelsea will come knocking.
1: Yeah, the show must go on for Leonid Slutsky's. Uh, we, we all want to see those rants, rants in the, in the English Premier League or any other big league. I think it'd be great to, to, to him, uh, talk about his haircuts and his weight and how it makes a difference with refereeing. Um, speaking of refereeing and, uh, the show must go on. I, I feel like this, this, this almost becomes like a broken record now, Andrew. Um, Kokorin and Mamayev. The hearing extended their sentence to September 25th, and they could now face seven years in jail for hooliganism.
0: Wow. Yeah, yeah. I mean, seven years. It's uh, you know that this this whole this whole affair, which is like you've mentioned, this has been dragging on since what was it October yeah. um, last year, and it's still we're still talking about could face charges for hooliganism. I mean, I I find so many parts of this whole case utterly ridiculous. I'll pick up on two of them. The first one for me is just simply, how is it possible to take this long to go over what everybody saw a day later, a day after the incident? I don't know how much evidence you need. You need some witness statements, sure. Well, okay, does it really take five months to interview even a hundred people you know just get sit them down, okay, you do half an hour an hour per person. I mean, what more is there to say? They were only there in the cafe for the in terms of the incident anyway, for a few minutes, and on the street, well, there weren't many people as many people witness on the street, but again, for it was for a few moments at best, what more can people say um when you've got the video footage I just i can't understand. I I mean, I'm being slightly naive here perhaps, but I can't understand what could really take them five months. On the other hand, we both know what takes them five months they're trying their best to drag it out um lawyers for the two players will know how to work the system and one and this brings me to my second point, which is the this delay, I think in a weird way works in their favor because the 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 court of public opinion, Manu, I I am so shocked at how this has happened, but is honestly gradually but continuing to swing in their favour. People yeah. are saying, "Well, it's taking this long. This is unfair on them for a decision to take this long. Why shouldn't they be allowed house arrest as opposed to being, you know, in jail in prison?" Um, I, I mean, it amazes me that people are in any way considering them being anything other than guilty. I mean, they are guilty. Mm. There's no need for a court to tell us this. They battered two people around the head. They put one guy in hospital. I mean, it's there. I I wouldn't I wouldn't know that unless I'd seen video evidence. So there is no doubt about what happened. So why are people feeling sorry for them? You know, we've said this time and again, but it is the opinion is changing Manu, isn't it though?
1: Yeah it is. And that that's really interesting. But I also wonder if the the prosecutors, um, because the, the, latest was, of course, that they partly admitted, um, to some of the things they've done. They didn't do that before. Um, they didn't admit to the charges of hooliganism. I mean, I wouldn't either if there's a seven year jail t- t- sentence for hooliganism. Um, but it's almost like the court is looking for that 100% verification. You know, it's, it's become almost like a, a witch hunt in a sense that they're looking to 100% be sure that they can throw these guys into jail for seven years, right? And it's become this yeah. setting example um that you often see in in Russia and in Russian history. Um I mean, it, it, it goes back a long time. I, I can probably go all historical on this podcast and mention several cases of famous people that Uh, face dragonian punishment and, um, Mm. got to walk away with it last minute. I mean, we're talking about writers and poets that were, um, that found their, their jail sentence or their, their death sentence commuted to exile in, yeah, places like Yakutsk, um, at the gallows, right? So it, it almost feels a little bit like that in a sense. So it's, it's an, it's, it's a typical, I almost wonder how history is going to treat this case. Um, because I mean, footballers, we don't mm. know what going down. What will they be like Dostoevsky and, um, those guys that, uh, you know, that failed, failed the harsh measures of the court. Of course, they never did anything, uh, revolutionary, you know, but still it's going to be, it's, it's interesting case in that sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, hundred um, percent. I think you're right. Actually, it's it'll be interesting to see how this case is regarded in a few years' time. Um, I mean, it's. I think it's a statement more about the well, the the the, the process rather than the actual crime itself. Um, the you know the fact that I think you probably, Manu, have um, have guessed right that they are just trying to be so certain that they cannot be caught out by whatever legal magic their lawyers can bring up to get them off the hook somehow. And in that sense, I applaud them, Um, but it does make it very clear that the system itself is just not functioning efficiently enough. But anyway, we'll see. Um, And uh, hopefully Kokorin will be even more, uh, what's the word to be nice about him, rotund than he appeared in his last photo.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's, it, I want to quickly stay with this topic, sort of, because, um, Mamayev was in the contract with Krasnodar, right? Uh, the owner of Krasnodar is Galitsky, um, one of the, he's also known as the good oligarch, a man that you know really well, Andrew. And uh, Galitsky gave a very long interview on YouTube. I and mean, We both were kind of surprised about this. Uh, same with Tim because he usually doesn't speak very much to the media. He, he does follow the media, as we know, because we did a piece on him and it was commented on, on by by his team afterwards. Um, I remember you did this article for footballgrad.com. Um, so really interesting, really interesting man. And, and he said... And this is, this is the quote. I know I have it a little bit different on the agenda. So sorry to hit you left field there, Andrew, but he said that yeah. one of the reasons why they right away, um, terminated my contract is because of the academy and the fact that they have 11,000 kids wearing the Grasnodar shirt. Right. So like sort yeah. of they can't have any bad examples for any of the prospective youth players in the academy system. So my wife had to be cut loose right away because of that. Um, I mean, it's one of many, and we're going through the other quotes as well, but I thought that was, that, that stood out to me in many ways because it, it makes sense because the club's biggest resource at the moment is the kids.
0: Yeah, no, 100%. I, I actually agree with you. I think that is the most telling um, part of of his response because it is consistent with everything he's always sold this project as. Um, in the, uh, the last, the last decade, he's been very consistent from day one. This is all about generating a holistic system, a pathway for the youth. And when we talk youth, we got to, we should stress at this point, it's, it's not just the geography of Russia that makes, um, youth recruitment different, uh, in Russian football, but, uh, well, I mean, you know, there are similarities for other clubs, I guess, in the regional development. But Galitsky takes this to a whole new level. Uh, in England, for example, there's a rule that, which I'm almost certain most clubs flout or find loopholes in in some way. But an under-18 player can only be a residential um, uh, academy member if his home is, uh, so a non-residential member, sorry, if he lives within 90 minutes of the training centre. So the idea being that you can't just poach players from miles away. Um So Galitsky has found a way around this potential problem simply by establishing an unbelievable number of satellite centres all through Krasnodar hmm. Um And, you know, his, he couldn't have known it, well, I assume he couldn't have known it, but um, Kuban Krasnodar, the historical club in the region, of course, they um, they collapsed a few years ago. Okay, they're, they're yeah. being reformed, and they have just moved back into, I believe, their original stage uh, where Krasnodar used to play, of course. But what Galitsky did was he realised that they weren't monopolising the youth development of the region, and he stuck, he stuck firm to this. Um, I mean, hundreds of thousands of players have entered the system not many have made it all the way through um but he basically has just said well i i live in an area a region that has one professional club i'm going to set one up and i'm going to use the resources that we have and he's done that from day one so his reaction to mamayev's uh transgression should we say i think are commendable but also not just because it's the right thing to say but because it's consistent with the message and You've got to send the right message to these academy um, students like he has. So they're going to look up to him knowing he won't suffer any falls, he won't stand for any lapse in moral standards, uh, but if I buy into that, look at Matvey Safonov, mm. look at Safi Suleymanov, look at Ivan Ignatiev, there is a path to not just a club but to a really good club that is going to be most likely in the Champions League before long. So I, I take my hat off to Galitsky. I think he's, uh, he's done very well with those comments.
1: Yeah, those, and actually let's, let's stick with that real quick because he said something else interesting that I thought, thought was fascinating because I heard something similar from a German manager, um, Christian Heidel, um, a few years back, right Back when he was before he went to Schalke and ruined his career. Um, he said there is a ton of television money in England and we need to capitalize of that by developing young players. It's it's really interesting that the rest of Europe mm-hmm. is sort of, okay, well, there is this big league that is getting a ton of television money, and uh how are we going to make best use out of that? How are we going to siphon off as much money as possible from these English <laughs> clubs? It's, it's like, I know, we'll build this massive academy and just develop players and sell them, because we know that... You know, a player that would go for five or six million in our in our internal market will go for twenty-five to Britain, right? Um and because yeah. they cycled to so many players in England, um there is like an almost unlimited supply. Um I thought it was an interesting statement because it seems to be very fitting of how the rest of Europe is currently viewing the television market uh, in Great Britain.
0: Mm, yeah, no, very much Imano. Um I think uh if I was going to stick my neck out there, I'd actually say that that would be perhaps, you know that element of development would be an added bonus at best. But I actually think that Kalilits I'm not even sure Kalitsky would focus on that long term, because I think he's more nah, selfish in a good way if, I, if, I, if that makes any sense. You know, he's stuck to his guns with Ivan Ignatiev's contract negotiations a few weeks ago, um, and now he's, he's made, the, made the guy see that, but this is the place to go. I'm not just gonna i'm not just gonna let you go because your star is risen a little bit you're gonna stay here you're gonna develop here and if you really do go in the end well of course he will let him go he let Fyodor Smolov go um a year ago and that was the right decision because it he had ignatiev coming through he had ari um and many people would have thought is that Krasnodar that are becoming a selling club but no it was the right, ruthless decision. Um, the players that get developed, inevitably some won't make it to the first team. Some will, but not enough to be a regular and they will get sold on eventually. Um, but I think Galitsky's focus is, is genuinely, I actually don't, I don't just want to develop for other people's benefit. I want to develop for my own benefit, for yeah. my, my club's benefit. Um, but either way, whichever way he does it, he is creating, or his project is creating, um, some... Absolutely sublime talent. So one way or another, that talent is going to be in the game when it wouldn't have been had he not set up this project. So either way, I'd say it's win-win.
1: Yeah, win-win, absolutely. And uh, speaking about talents, Andrew, um, that's our next news story. PSG and Roma won Spartax Fernando. Uh, it's really too bad, Tim, isn't here Because... Uh... You know,
0: <laughs> I think I think it's probably for best that Tim's not here. He looked um, at
1: the agenda last night and he's like, oh, I'm finding an excuse." <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, yes, yeah, yeah, work, real life, getting in the way. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm kidding. Of <laughs> course, <laughs> um, Fernando, oh, blimey, PSG. I'm I'm not sure what their transfer strategy is at the moment, but you it seems to be going. Have one, I mean. slightly <laughs> um, let, Let's just let's just remind everybody in case they. Somehow we're not aware. There is a club in England called Stoke City. They are an unattractive <laughs> club. They play seriously such dreary football that it has become it's become a cliche to say, can you do it on a cold, wet Tuesday in Stoke? They signed a player from I believe from Germany, um, Mr. Eric Maxime Trupo Motti. Um he has the most ridiculous. And hacker, now we're explicit. And, <laughs> And, and, and oh God, Manu, I just I don't even know where to start this. What on earth convince anybody to think this is a good idea? PSG, one of the best clubs in the world, one of the richest clubs in the world, if not the richest club, let's sign Eric Maxim Chupo Motting from Stoke City. And this is a this is a player they they are actually playing. He yeah. he that that missed the weekend, Manu. If that is not investigated by um, uh, whatever whatever body investigates betting irregularities then um, they're not doing their job right. Um, but he, he is an awful player, he's just terrible um, they signed of course as we're fully aware of Leandro Paredes in the winter mm. and yet is he the right type of player for PSG he likes to be in possession, he likes to play the ball but he's not an aggressive box to box player in the sense that um Marco Verratti is. Would he play alongside him? He seems to be a bit a bit too slow for that. The Russian Premier League, as we know, is a very slow league, so mm. he prospered there. Um, and now they want Fernando. I mean, Fernando, I think to, a year ago, two years yeah. ago, he was one of the best players in the Russian Premier League. His set piece ability is phenomenal. He's a very strong player, but he's a, he can hit his passes yeah. really quickly and crisply, but he's just I don't know, he's turned into chupo Motting, effectively, almost in recent weeks and months. Um, I mean, he's been injured recently, I know, but I'm not entirely sure why PSG are are going after him. I mean, he clearly is not a first-choice player for their their level, um, but they've just spent £50 on a reserve player, so it it makes no sense to me. Roma, perhaps slightly more. Um, He did come from Italy, from Sampdoria, I believe it was, when he moved to Spartak, so he knows Syria. Serie a knows him to an extent. Yeah. Um, so Roma, I could believe a bit more, and they did. Uh, they did, of course, move on. Was it Kevin Stroopman, I think, went to Marseille last summer. Um, he's been a big player for Roma for a few years. So I'm not saying he's a direct replacement, but you know, he's he's good enough for Roma, yes, possibly. But there are plenty of others. Um, I guess the one thing that makes it believable for me is that Fernando is playing in the Russian Premier League, so his asking price is going to be quite low. Um, I think, I think actually, it's surprising in a way that more clubs haven't looked to Russia for transfer business because they can get a better deal. Um, but I don't know, PSG. Well, they've signed, they've signed Eric Maxim choupo so they could sign anybody. They could sign me tomorrow, to be honest. At that, I'm
1: available. Um, I'm an injury-prone goalkeeper, <laughs> but I I I play for PSG. I mean, why not? I
0: think I would. <laughs> yeah, why not? Exactly. They should
1: put Choupenou Moting in goal. He's fantastic at uh, getting the ball off the line.
0: <laughs> no, just, I'll tell you what he is. It, it was, you know what, Murray? That touch, though, it was such sublime. a well-executed, delicate, <laughs> sublime touch. I don't know any a defender wouldn't have done that. It was just, it was phenomenal. So he's got that instinct. I think you're right. Maybe he should go and goal.
1: Yeah. <laughs> brilliant. Um, totally off topic, but brilliant. <laughs> totally off topic too. You remember that video that when men made its rounds on uh, on Twitter about Stoke in the second division, <laughs> <laughs>
0: go
1: on. When, when they went down, when, uh, when someone bought a ticket just to see, see Stoke go down. Um Yeah. I, I, unfortunately, this is a few years ago, but...
0: <laughs> well, it's, it's, um, let's put it this way, Manu. It, it shows what type of club they are. People take that much pleasure in seeing them get relegated that they will spend money to do so. Um, but uh, actually, you know, on a very, very brief side note on the Stoke issue, Moritz Bauer, of course, who moved from Rubin mm. Kazan, is apparently on his way out. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him come back to Russia. And actually, I think it would be a good move for him. It'd be appreciated here, but, um, yep, Stoke, you're at the center of everything at the moment. So,
1: this was done by, uh, Paddy Power a few years ago, uh, <laughs> on Stoke. I, I know this is totally off topic, but every time someone mentions Stoke, I, I have to think of this, this, this tweet and <laughs> someone bought two tickets, right? Off of Twitter, off Twitter for stoke and uh yeah and they were like oh sorry that you had to see this and he's like sorry (laughs) this was like the best thing i've ever (laughs) seen because he just went to see go to stoke (laughs) watch the game so he could see them get relegated (laughs) because he was an arsenal fan and you remember when stoke like ruined uh ori like a few years back
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah, it's it, it, okay, one of what, the I, quotes I, 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 is I honestly. wanted to be
1: there to see the
0: sadness happens. <laughs> 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 I, I, I feel we're I feel we're we're um, we're ragging on Stoke rather oddly and <laughs> quite excessively, but I would like to stick up for them just a little bit. You got to remember they haven't always been like this. They've had some of them, uh, genuinely. They've had the. Well, in fact, I think they did. In fact, have the best player in the world at one point. Um, Sir so Stanley Matthews. I think he was named European Player of the Year, or World Player of the Year in. Oh God, it would have been around the late 1950s, I think. Um, he was a well. He was a legend um, uh, in the Potteries, uh, the area where Stoke is. Um, so they have had some entertaining players before, and of course they had Peter Crouch. He's a yeah. world class entertainer. So it's not. It's not all doom and gloom for Stoke. Yeah.
1: <laughs> So the, the the Twitter chant ends, the rant ends with, enjoy obscurity, you cretins. <laughs> no
0: one will miss you. I'm, that, that's exactly the word they used, I'm sure. <laughs>
1: I'll, I'll tweet this out post-podcast uh, so people can enjoy it one more time. But, um, yes, let's go to some Russian Premier League results. Leave poor Stoke alone. It's, it's really a sad, um, or not. It's also pretty funny. Paddy Power, out uh, outed themselves. This was done May 7th. I remember this because I was in with Chris Williams in Berlin. and I think we played this nonstop every time we were, you know, partying and we just played it on our phones because it was just the best thing ever. Um, but yeah, let's, let's look over the, some of the results, Andrew. And I, I, I think one of those results might be the, uh, the real reason why Tim couldn't make it. Um, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so yeah, Angie Dinamo Moscow 1-1. Um, there's two clubs that deserve each other. Krasnodar Grilja Sovetov 1-0. Spartak Moscow 0, CSKA 2, UFA 1, Rostov 0, Ural 3, Genocide 2, yes. I saw that yes. game, Pugh. Ruben Kazan, Arsenal Tula zero zero, Lokomotiv 1, Senate 1, here we go, Orenburg 1, Ahmad Grosny 3. Some interesting results in there, Andrew. Uh, the most interesting one is, of course, Anji against Dinamo Moscow. Um, no, I'm just kidding. No one cares about that. Score. <laughs> <laughs> um, Sunit, two points dropped. Mm. You know, last week we were all chatting about how the league wing, the win of the league is impending. No one is going to stop them. And then they go to the most yeah. boring club in the top four and drop two points. Um, I mean, not sorry, not boring, locomotive. Um, yeah, this, <laughs> this, this is, should we say it's surprising or is this expected? Or what are we going to make out of this? Because I mean, Graslander got the job done. It wasn't pretty. They only won 1-0 and they, they had a red card in that game as well, but they got the job done against Grilja Zavetov. collected the three points, narrowed that gap to four points. Um, what are we going to do with all of this, Andrew? I mean, for me, to, for me, it's definitely back on now because, you know, it's a just can't seem to be, just can't get that job done and just win 10 games in a row. They just don't seem capable of it.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, I, I, I run a little predictions league, um, on, online and I actually called 1-1 in this game. I, I really, I mean, I, I we all know that I am by far the best predictor of football yeah. uh, in the football network. Um, just in case anybody's forgotten or I never I never mentioned it, I did predict that France would win the World Cup. So you know, just to remind remind people that wow. they need to know this information. You see, money not very good um, at quizzes, but, but good at predicting. Yeah, I admit that. Yeah, quizzes aren't important. That's 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 a. Secondary matter in, uh, in, in uh, things, but no. In all seriousness, though, it, if you if you look at the basics of this, Lokomotiv Moscow have been they no no team has drawn more games at the halfway stage of matches than Lokomotiv in the last two seasons. They it's something like three quarters of their games are level at half time, um, and they very rarely they very rarely win games by more than one goal margins. Yeah. Um, and and then you've got Zanit, who know well really they just have to pretty much go through the motions just make sure they don't screw up anything um, and as long as they keep a point keeps keeps locomotive at arm's length and yeah sure the gap is now shortened with Krasadar's win but they're still four points clear they haven't lost to a direct rival they've got Angie at home uh, this coming weekend so that's a guaranteed yeah, that's seven nil win for them. <laughs> <laughs> They can catch up on the ball if they're alone. So, um, I I think, to be honest, it was a professional result for Zanit. Um, they didn't really look troubled at any point. Uh, it, interesting to see Yaroslav Rakitsky's second free kick um, for Zanit. Another really well-taken um, goal by him. Um and, uh, yeah, as I say, job done. I, are oh, Krasnar in the title race? I know, I know you would want to say so, Manu, um, for, <laughs> for various reasons. And I would myself, but I still think it's Zanit's title to lose as opposed to Krasnodar to win at this point. Um, and, uh, I, I, I still don't think Zanit so to have hit Top Gear. Do you?
1: Mm, no, but will there ever? That's my question, right? Um, we're actually going to be very nicely set up for this, Andrew, because Sinit are playing Anji and, uh, Krasnodar playing Dinamo, um, next week. And then the week after Krasnodar plays Sinit in Krasnodar. In Krasnodar. So.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, a big one. that will be a big one. Really nicely set up. There's also a Moscow derby that day. Um, so, you know. It, that will really nicely set things up in the top because the top four will play each other so that's match day twenty four we'll get to talk all about that next week. don't worry we'll do a massive preview um following match day twenty three of course which is you know not quite as exciting it's like um you know there's some good games but not as exciting as match day twenty four will be um so you know if everything goes well, they could be really well poised the top four to do make some dramatic decisions because if like, you look at the top four right now, um, you have Lokomotiv, CSKA, Krasnodar, and Tinnit. Um reverse order. Lokomotiv have 39, CSKA have 40, Krasnodar have 41 and Zenit have 45.
0: Hmm. You
1: know, for me, for me, it's basically just Krasnodar and Cenit. Maybe CSKA, you never know, right? Um, but, they have and of course, they have that big game against Lokomotiv in two match days. It's, it's shaping up yeah. really nicely. That match day 24 is going to be huge. And maybe at that point, I mean, if Zenit beat Krasnodar, then I'll happily admit defeat and, uh,
0: you know, <laughs> say it's over. <laughs> We both know that won't happen, <laughs> but no, no. In, in seriousness, you're right. yeah, you're absolutely right, mate. That is that is going to be an absolutely huge game. And actually, if anybody is going to take points off, any crowds that I think are the best place to do so, um, Locomotive, Well, they they performed how I thought they would. They kept it tight, and they. I'm not going to say they were happy with a draw because if they are happy to. Effectively rule themselves out of a title race, then, then they're idiots. Um, Spartak are, well, I really sorry, Tim, to do this when you are away, but they are just one week can be good. One minute, just yeah. utterly, utterly. It was just, I, I, I thought they were joking. I didn't think it was a serious match when I saw the Replays back. So I, I, I would rule them out as well. Tesca, so um, I think they will, I mean, God! At the beginning of the season, when we when we saw their squad gutted completely, yeah. I think most thought they would struggle to make Europa League, possibly, because you don't just airlift in a whole new team and expect success. But they have done that. Well, I have think they you... They have the best coach in the league. Uh, I, I, I... Well, I, I, to be honest with you, I think it's hard. It's hard to argue against that. Um, You know, if you look at his. Look at his transfer marks record, and yeah. it looks like he's jumped from club to club. But you've got to remember why he left all those clubs. Um, he went to Ufa, and of course, he did a, a really good job there developing youngsters. Yeah. But Ufa is never going to be bigger than a mid-table club at best. So, of course, he was going to leave there. Kuban Krasnodar. well, they were just a complete mess um, financially. He came to Ural, and um, I thought, you know what? We, God, just to think, the best coach in Russia could still be in charge of Ural right now. But um there were the max fixing allegations for the um quite ridiculous fixtures against uh well at the time Tarek Grosny, now Akramat Grosny, and he left out of principle. And I don't think many people blamed him, to be yeah. honest.
1: Um That was a good story, just, by the, the way. Remember he just he basically jumped on a plane and flew to Belarus and was like, I'm out of here. And,
0: yeah. I mean to be me, that that's pretty bold. That is a bold thing to do because um no are not the 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 main players in Russian football of course they're not but um they are a top flight club and their president believe me um Grigory Ivanov he is not a man you want to cross um I have seen him in the the mixed zones um berating referees and and players quite aggressively should we say um I've seen him held back physically from attacking a a a, a visiting team once um but uh, you know, so he's a man who's going to fight for his club, and I don't think, I don't it, 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 just to clear it up, it wasn't uh, it wasn't the president who was in, implicated in that match fixing; it was some of the players. So um, when it, when it came up, I don't think Ontraenko really was going to um, going to be blamed for leaving. But you know, you take so my point was about all that was you take those three clubs out of the equation, Manny, and his record suddenly becomes. As good as could be expected. So, and then of course, at uh, Cescar, Well, he's just been a everything he's touched has turned to gold so far.
1: I think um, what what I rather like about him, and I watched this this derby, Andrew, and I thought that Spartak were all over Cescar in the first forty five. And yeah, you when you watch just the first forty five minutes, you would think that Spartak would win this game, but then he makes the tactical adjustments at half time. And guy win this game 2-0. <laughs> That's you know the, the response, the tactical adjustments, the response to the game, the situations that his club was in. I'm very young, yeah. inexperienced like, side, playing at Spartak Stadium, you know, um you know Moscow's a big place. There is a home and away advantage, even if you play inside of Moscow. To go away and walk away with a result like that after being under a barrage of chances by Spartak, massive, in my opinion, anyways. And that, that shows top class yeah. coaching.
0: That's the way I see it. Yeah, 100%. Um, you know, and it's, it's not just the fact that most of the team are, are youngsters. It's the fact that they, he's not just using them because they're young. He's using them because they're good enough. Um, and they're good enough because they're confident enough. And that can only come from him. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought um Igor Diveev was absolutely fantastic. Um yeah this is a young guy who's barely I I'm not even sure if he started a game for Ulfa the senior team. Um a lot of European scouts are watching him but he's I mean officially he's on loan but I mean, it's one of those deals where you it's almost certainly going to be with an agreement to buy at the end. But I'd be amazed if Tesco let him uh let him slip. Um, but he trusts him in a game like this in a back 3 which is yes it's a common system in Russia. Not every team play it. Yeah. Uh, Spartak don't, well, not at the moment, but, um, uh, you know, and he's, the, the way, he, uh, you mentioned tactical changes, Mario, but I think one of the, one of the best things he's also done has been with Kirill Nababkin. He, he basically was a bit part player at best um, for a few years before Goncharenko arrived, filled in when Georgi Shenikov was injured at left back and he's now a fully fledged centre back who can offer different movements going forward because he's so used to playing down the flank and getting forward. But defensively, he's been, you know, not perfect, but very solid. Um, So you've got an 18-year-old, 19-year-old who's barely played any games on one side of the back three. You've got a converted left-back on the other. uh, And you've got a a young, don't forget, Rodrigo Bacau is only 21, 22 years old, uh, a young foreigner who doesn't speak the language in the middle, and this is a back three that is dominating the league mm. effectively. So, and you're, um, you're actually
1: quite right. Igor um is a loan to buy, so he becomes a permanent CS car player July first. So there you go. I, I
0: what I tell you what they money what a buy that is. Yeah. you know when 1. you million. The of-
1: one point five million. That's it.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't know if it's a laugh or cry, but that's, Technically quite a big fee in Russia <laughs> at the moment. <laughs> well, but he's going but to yeah, go no, eventually
1: well, for a lot more than that. So, I mean, oh, it's a steal. No,
0: no, no. Fantastic. Absolute steal. Yeah. yeah. Brilliant business.
1: Um, but yeah. you already, you already ta- talked a little bit about Ural and speaking about amazing games at two- <laughs> oh, <laughs> you, you were amazing. at this game, I assume. Um, I tuned into <laughs> this game because it was on YouTube. Um, randomly Mm -hmm. and I could not believe what I was seeing (laughs) it was 2-0 for Yenisei and Ural actually managed to turn this around big three points we we were kind of joking that you're going to be Mr. Relegation at the end of the season I'm not quite sure that's going to be (laughs) quite right because we are we're going to chat about FNL in a second because you never know who's actually going to get relegated if anyone ever gets relegated from FNL uh, who knows what's going to happen with that league next year but Andrew, you oh. 11th, you must have just, whew, after that, after being down 2-0 against the worst side in Russia.
0: Um, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I, you know
1: I mean, like, Pugrebniak got the score. I mean, that, that's, that's how big this game is.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, it was, it, it's, it's one of those games you look at. Yeah, managers will probably tell media in whatever conference, press conference they're in that they don't. Look at games and think, oh, we should be winning that or shouldn't. You look at the fact that this crowns ask at home, you're looking at three points, and and I said this on the podcast that was <laughs> was I admit was recorded from <laughs> from the toilets before this game at the stadium because it was the only quiet place I could find. But I I said there's actually a bit of pressure because they're so bad that if you don't get the three points, then you're really um, you're really in trouble. Um, and the thing is about the NSA... They they actually I hate to say it but they actually played quite well. Um, they did. In they, all fairness, they, they really did. I mean, they must I mean, be devastated, yeah, Alec, right? Well, I I was I was seriously worried. Um, they didn't look that porous at the back. Um, Alec Danchenko out wide on the wing was just uh, was was fantastic. He carries the ball with confidence, but he doesn't just run down a blind alley. Um, and Oral... In um, I mean, of, of course, I'm going to be slightly biased towards them. But in all seriousness, they realised that um, Pavel Pogrebnik cannot run for 90 minutes. So it's better it really not to start with him um, because it, it slows down play from the beginning. And then you've got a tired player in the second half. So he started with Andrey Panyakov, who's far more mobile. Um, and uh, it was just the final pass was missing so many times for a while. Uh, a very, very good goal from Alexander Zotov to make it 2-0. Uh, and, it, you know, you thought, that's it, that's game over. But um, Ural do have some genuinely creative players. Um, Otman Kabir, a Dutch winger, who's very lightweight and he can get bullied out of games at times. But on the ball, if he's got half a yard of space to run at, he's got as much ball skill as almost anybody. Uh he set up the first um, to start the comeback, and for goal was probably the worst goal he's ever scored in his life. Little almost didn't know what had happened, tapped it in from five yards out, um, and then Kabir set up the winner. Uh, it was it was some atmosphere. Um, it was some atmosphere that. So um, yeah, great game, and uh, it's, oh God, what a valuable three points it was.
1: Yeah, absolutely, because um, as I said clear of the relegation zone, not just the relegation period, but the relegation zone, you're also out of the that dreaded playoff spot, because you know, you all know the playoff is a bit of a gamble, we were joking that it's pretty much like a given that you if you're in one of those playoff spots, then you're probably going to win against whoever comes up from FNL, but given that those two teams right now are Sochi and Nishina Gorod, Novgorod, Ural might be fine because they have a World Cup stadium uh, Did I just say that out loud? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I may have. I may have. Um but Sochi and Nishinov <laughs> certainly do have World Cup stadiums and you know, I mean
0: It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Available through the platforms you're already on, AMC Plus is a premium streaming bundle with the best of AMC, plus the complete collections of shutter Sundance Now, and IFC Films Unlimited. Get the latest from The Walking Dead, with early access and exclusives, binge acclaimed series like Mad Men ad three and with new content dropping each week, like Gangs of London, a powerful drama about London's criminal underworld, there's always something fresh to check out. Sign up at AMC Plus.com. AMCPLUS.com. AMC Plus, only the good stuff.
1: I, I would say it's probably 50-50 if Savetov Sovetov uh, in one of those spots because they also have a World Cup stadium, but I'm I pretty sure... <laughs> r- r- <laughs> I, I'm not alleging anything here, Andrew. Okay? I'm course Totally neutral. I just think that there is invested interest to get as many World Cup stadiums into the first division as possible. And the reason I'm saying this is because... We posted an article yesterday on the FNL. Uh, we do this a bit more often because you know, frankly speaking, people care, <laughs> which is unbelievable. You will, of course, say, how is this not, uh, how is this not believable? Because you follow this division religiously. And I, I can see why. And for all of those out there who do follow this division re- religiously, I went on the FNL homepage yesterday and found that they have highlights of every single game. On the homepage and you can watch them on a link with Yandex. Bit odd. they all, you know, there's, there's music on it as well. So you have to watch it and you have to listen to this music like blur. Um, it's a very odd mix, but you know, it is available. You can watch all the highlights. So that's cool. Uh, what isn't so cool is the story that's reaching us from Saransk, Andrew. Um, you, this is a place that you've been to. You, you wrote the article when the World Cup stadium opened. You visited it. It's a beautiful facility. Absolutely gorgeous stadium. Um, on the other hand, I didn't go during the World Cup. I'm kind of glad I didn't because the, the people that did go, um, weren't too excited about Saransk. And it turns out the people of Saransk aren't too excited about paying ticket prices. Um, because apparently <laughs> all those, those 20,000 plus that went to the games in August after the World Cup was over, they all got in for free. And the moment they started having to pay for tickets, which is a hundred to two hundred rubles, so one hundred and fifty dollars to three hundred dollars per ticket, no one is showing up.
0: Um, well, it's um, I, I I'm I'm so utterly bemused by this, but I expect it at the same time because I know what Russian fans are like. They really a lot of Russian fans are, i am going to be perfectly blunt about this, are fair weather supporters. Usually, most clubs that don't have a brand, brand new, very, very large World Cup stadium on their hands, um, the fans that do turn up are usually the ones who are there and would be there regardless of most external factors. But when it comes to um, Saransk, Saransk is a tiny city. It's only about 200,000 people. Um, the entire region it itself has a, has a population about uh, well, about half the size of as a city yeah. so you know we're talking about a very very small place it's it's not being harsh to say it but it's just a fact it's not got a deep football culture um so you know the, the when it but you see know, when you get to the idea of filling a stadium i don't mind actually in a way offering some free tickets to keep the momentum going because you hope some will stay a ticket price of 100 rubles to be fair, is is almost not worth making it a, a ticket price at all. It's it's it's, it's next to no money.
1: It's like it's like, it's, it's, it's less than yeah.
0: a chocolate bar. <laughs> well, if I you, you joke about that, but if 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 I go into a, a Moscow shop and I want to get a you know double size Mars bar, I probably would pay about hundred rubles. Probably it's, more. It's not even in, probably, well, yeah, possibly even more. I mean, yeah. you know, these are you know i I've, I've been around the city Saransky, and it's a very nice city very attractive but and it, it doesn't have a lot of nightlife but the the sort of the bars restaurants the uh, the places to go out are still very reasonably high end in the very sense. so these there are people who can spend money um 100 rubles is even by russian salary standards is next to nothing and if fans are staying away because of 100 rubles then it says a lot about them um but it is worrying, you know, is it it's, fair it's to boring. say that
1: M- Mordovia as a region is simply not a football region? <laughs> you know, we, we questioned the very location of this stadium. Yeah. You know, before yeah. the world cup, as beautiful as the facility and it is an absolutely stunning looking facility. It's yeah, maybe it in the is. wrong place. Yeah. And this is, th- and I- I'm saying this because I, I, I looked. At the numbers, I'm like, oh, here we go. You know, the World Cup boom is over, etc. But you look at, you look at the other stadiums around the league and you look at the Russian Premier League numbers are still up. You know, the attendance is on average 3000 higher. We're now in the winter. We were at the time where people do not go and the attendance number is still up 3000 above the average from last year. And now it's getting warmer in Russia. The attendance numbers will go up again, you know. Towards the last six or seven match days, I, I think the stadiums will be full, right? Because that's how it, how it goes. Yeah. We've, we've both experienced this league long enough to know that what's happened. But I look at the, um, I looked at the league results for this article I did. Um, I have to admit I was a bit lazy to do, to work out the average, but Volgograd wrote Volgograd and I saw the highlights of this game. This was actually a good game. Um, they had 25,000 against Baltica in the second division. Yeah. And I uh, yes, Volgograd, I mean, you know this, Andrew, because they actually Roto defeated Manchester United all the way back in nineteen ninety four. Um they did. So they are a they are a football city, right? So a modern stadium yeah. if you are a football city, a modern stadium will actually give you a boost. It's it's a no brainer. But if you're not a football city and I really doubt that Saransk is, it's just maybe in the wrong place.
0: Um, Well, yeah, I mean, it's, you can, if there are any Saransk listeners to this, I'd be very surprised if there are, but if there are, they'll probably say, oh, you can't say that, but it's, it's just the facts. I mean, look, I'm going to say something that you never, ever have thought I would say, but neither is Tumen. Tumen's not a football city and it's, it's three times the size of Saransk. Um, you know, I, I used to, uh, I used to go to games just as a fan before I started, um, I started reporting on games and i got to know the ticket officer um, and uh, she directed me upstairs to buy my season ticket i spoke to anton who was the marketing manager anton Kopyshev has written books about sports marketing in russia uh, he now works in Lipetsk and he said to me look i he showed me a plan that he'd drawn up with the club directors his job to try and get more fans into the stadium. He he had 30 different ideas, different schemes from getting players to visit schools and to give out free tickets to ask competitions, run summer camps, you know, really get involved in the community. And none of them cost a penny. It was just simply they go out and they do the legwork themselves. They don't sort of pay for advertising. They do it themselves. Um, And he said that, that he was only authorized to do about five of them. Uh, and one of the things they said no to was um, the, the the players going out into the community thing because he said they will get... His, the response he was given was these players will get too big for their own boots. In other words, they have not the slightest clue that a kid who gets to meet... A player for their local team, they'll get excited. And They, they want to go watch the game. game. Yeah, will take a, their parents. They'll take their family. You know, yeah. and this is this is Tumen, which is a city I love. It's far bigger. It's a very wealthy city. It's one of the most expensive cities uh, living wise in in the whole of Russia. Um, and you know, Tumen struggle to bring players. Moldova, Saransk are um, well as a football team are no better. But they're, they're what I'm talking about. They're far worse than Tumen. Um, but they have been in the Premier League recently and, and if they're struggling it's it's no surprise there are a lot of cities that are, are not football cities so um, yeah if
1: even Dinamo St. Petersburg are drawing about 6,000 on average right now in Sochi
0: just saying oh controversial name there Manu <laughs> I hope Saul isn't listening <laughs> Dinamo St. Petersburg yes, uh, yes, yes. Um, they anyway, are um, these- amazingly amazing. Not the whole of Sochi wanted to come and see Chimen play at the weekend. I, I can't understand why they didn't fill the stadium. Six thousand know. one hundred
1: and twenty-four uh, attendance <laughs> doesn't sound like a lot when you consider the size of the stadium, but that's still more, more than the average position. attendance in the French second division. Just, just to put it in perspective, you know. So. And it was one-one.
0: Well,
1: not, not the
0: um, If, if we're being, um, if we're being perfectly honest, I'd say. I, I, I've, I've watched the highlights, of course, and um, I'm amazed it was even 6,000. Of course, it feels much worse yeah. when you've got such a huge grand stadium, even if the attendance actually, 6,000 for a Russian second tier is actually still a very good attendance. Um, and also, of course, we have mentioned this a number of times before, um, where the stadium is in, in Adler in the Olympic Village is uh, 50 kilometers. Adler itself is not very big. Yeah. So to get that many people there, you've, it's actually, I'd say 6,000 is, it sounds awful, um, given the context of the stadium, but given the context of the league and the, I hate to say it, the quality of the opponents who are not very good. <laughs>
1: Don't worry, 6, they, will, is- they will sell it out on regular basis next year in the Premier League. Um, you'll see, it will, uh, it, it will happen. Um, Andrew, we had two yes. questions um, recently asked. Mm. One is about Baltica. Um, you know, at the time when the question was asked, they were in the relegation zone. Looks, it's looking a lot better for them. They have a World Cup stadium. So the, the listener who was worried about his Baltica going down to the PFL, <laughs> don't worry. You'll be fine. <laughs> need to worry. Um, <laughs> so that answers that question. The second question is, um, someone asked, and I mean, poof, I, We'll try our best in the, the five minutes or so that we have left to to answer this. Um, someone asked who he should support of the big clubs in Russia, and he was looking at Sparta, <laughs> Krasnodar, Zenit, CSKA, and Lokomotiv. I, I I right away do not support Lokomotiv; they will put you to sleep. Correct? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, definitely not good. Okay.
1: Definitely not local CS guy. I mean, we mentioned Goncharenko already. It's a neat. Uh, I guess if you like want to be like a Bayern fan or Manchester United, mean like <laughs> Manchester City fan, man, okay, sure,
0: come on, City get it, right.
1: you know, like if you like to buy success, then that's for you. I mean, some people find that exciting. Krasnodar, if you kind of like projects, um, I mean, that's the the team that I I I have some sympathy for. Um, I used to support the need actually mostly, but, um, not 100% behind that project anymore. To be quite frank, they used to be very different. They have, in my opinion, they have the best
0: fans. Um, they certainly do. They, yeah. they have, um, they have the best social media as well. Yeah. But their, their connection to the community is very good. So to be fair, um, much as your likeness of them to Bayern and Manchester City is fairly accurate in many ways, they do have they do make a lot of effort. And they are very good on that front. Yeah. To be fair, so um, yeah, I mean, if I was if I was a complete neutral and I had to pick um, out of which five to to follow. Um, I certainly agree with you. Locomotive certainly wouldn't. It's, mm. it's nothing against them as a the club, but even the experience—the experience outside the stadium—is good. Um, they do get involved with fans. They put on events and they—they yeah. they do partnerships with local sport teams as well. So the the experience is okay, but the football itself is not great. Um, is any just because of the? Well, you say they're the Manchester City of Russia, so obviously don't support them. Um, and Tim will hate me for saying this. If I was a neutral, I wouldn't support Spartak only because they are the most supported club. I know it sounds
1: and it's hard for all the time. It's kind of like being a Liverpool supporter.
0: I mean, some people like that. Well,
1: we have lots of yeah, fans I mean, who support Liverpool.
0: It's um, yeah. I guess that's a that's a fair that's a fair point to make. I mean, you know, you, I'll put it this way: if you're a Spartak fan, you're never going to be bored, and you will always be involved in very big occasions. Yeah. Um, Good. And so bad. It, it, Usually, right there, back to back. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there certainly is some appeal to it. But personally, I if I was going to say uh, if I was going to say which team to follow, it would certainly be Krasdal or Cesca. Um, yeah. And if I had to pick one, I'd probably probably go for probably go for Krasnodar because of a long term project there. Um, I'm very fond of Cesca because that's the first club. Um, that I was credited for that in fact we both went to watch Manchester yeah. United in the first Champions, Champions, Champions game. League. It was um twenty fifteen. Herr Schweinsteiger was uh, ignoring us in the in the mix zone afterwards. But um I blame Louis van Half to this day. Ah, well, yes, I, I blame him too and I'm happy to blame him for anything. Um but no it's a, it's a good good question. Um I'd say I'd say if you picked TSK Moscow or Krasada you'd be doing doing very well there.
1: Yeah, I think any of the teams except for Lokomotiv would be fine. You could also go completely left field
0: and support Tom Tomsk. Manic, manic, come on. Don't be, don't be silly. I mean, if you're going to go left field, support Orel Yekaterinburg. That's the real, that's the obvious answer. I yeah. guess what the question is asking is, aside from the obvious choice of Ural, which team should I support? So Dynamo uh, Moscow. <laughs> Okay, okay. If you, if you are interested in pure and utter mad drama and torture, then yes, Dynamo Moscow is for you.
1: We have a Dynamo Moscow supporter that listens regularly to this podcast and he asks very good questions. Yeah. Um, It, it, it it's a real thing. They exist. Rostov is also a good choice. Um, yeah.
0: Ah, wait. Are we, uh, is that Pete? Pete Doggett? Yes. Who's our Dynamo Moscow fan? Yes, of course he is actually. That's true um he's oh, pete. a very knowledgeable guy so he's, he seems like an intelligent bloke so i think um maybe he, he needs some craziness to, to to give him that outlet we all out, made so.
1: mistakes when we we're young and once you stick to a club that's it you
0: know um. the, the, the other thing about peter that I as well is I, I i know that he is a also a blackburn rovers fan so he oh definitely dear. has a type exactly he has a type of club shall we say so pete i admire your tenacity i admire your dedication um but I, I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. <laughs> that said, I support 1860,
1: but that, then again, I would not make that mistake twice and support another club like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, Andrew, so I guess our answer to this is just, uh, yeah, pick one and, um, because I don't want to take the responsibility for your heartaches.
0: <laughs> 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 I'd say just. Pick one and just accept that and be ready, be yeah. ready, you never know what's going to happen
1: yeah there is there's going to be drama. I tell you that there's going to be tons of drama and it's going to be Russia, you know any club is going to go russia style on you, and um so if you pick whichever team you pick will will do the utmost to excite you one way or the another, so that's that's my advice to you um Andrew, we're done. show is over. that was the final thing uh, we had to discuss, yeah. Floor is yours. what what do you want to pluck this week
0: uh well um i I've, I've had about uh, the grand total of 4 hours sleep in the last 3 days all because i've been very busy editing the new edition of the total football analysis magazine and for our listeners they'll be particularly interested i mentioned last week um, an article about murad musayev's Krasnodar team so uh, it's I mean, of course, I'm going to plug it because it's my job. But it is a genuinely, genuinely cracking publication because it's not a patronising way of using statistical analysis, but it's a really accessible read. Um, there's 19 articles in this issue, so it's a big issue too. So head to toefootballanalysis.com and um, and and pick one up for a fiver. It is well, well worth getting into.
1: Yeah, fantastic stuff. Make sure to do follow that. Um, yeah. We've been busy this week too. Um, Europa League, Champions League. Um, we had those previews there out. Um, big game for Andrew tonight against Barcelona. Oh, yeah. Don't remind me. Yeah. We, we wrote that preview <laughs> together. So that's out. And, um, of course, you know, we're going to keep this podcast, Moldovia Saransk article. There's a couple other FNL articles actually planned and now Saul is, is planning a big one. I'm really excited for that one. I always excited yeah. when Saul writes anything because it's, you know, you know there's going something special coming, and unfortunately, doesn't have as much time as he used to do, right? So when it when when something is planned, we all we all get kind of excited for it. So that will be out soon. Um, yeah. So the usual, all of that can be found at Football right Life. And hey, if you want to get involved in any way, so Pete Dockett, if you want to write uh, an article on Dino Moscow, shoot me a line. You are more than welcome to I'm pretty sure people will read it. Um, if you have any article ideas, if you have any thoughts, anything that you want to write, door is always open. Just shoot us a line at, at footballgrad live on Twitter or contact me directly at Manuel Beth, And, um, we'll get it going. Well, guys, that's it from this week. Promise Tim will be back next week. He'll have recovered from the derby defeat and, uh, the potential of Fernando leaving. And, uh, he'll be back then too. Until next week, dos vidania. <laughs>